Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition Remix. I'm your host, and one-third of the Kickers of Elves, Hugh Crawford, and today we are going to be talking about Second Sight. Uh, this original episode, we originally aired on August 22nd, 2006. Uh, we were blissfully unaware of the nightmare scenario that we were barreling towards. <laughs> I don't think we were unaware, actually. I think... We just weren't. Anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, here's the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Please stick around and join me after for uh, some notes and thoughts. I have read Shakespeare, The Song of Solomon too. Oh yeah. I have studied Don Juan and the ways of Aphrodite. Oh yeah. All was a waste of time. Girls just want a picnic. Oh yeah. It's time for white men writing black women. Hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we'll be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is a TV show that has its ups and downs. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the highs are really high and the lows are eh, mid-level. Yeah. If we're being generous, <laughs> yeah. These last uh, these last two episodes are pretty whiplashy on that. Oh yeah, right. Uh, you just heard him just now. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, gentlemen, and Hugh Crawford. Hello, and I am Wade Bowen. We're talking about an episode well into season two at this point called Second Sight. Yes, right. Th- yep. This episode is. Um, the ninth episode of season two, it aired November 21st, 1993. The IMDb description is as follows. While noted scientist Gideon Cytek is preparing for an ambitious project, reigniting the star, Cisco is intrigued by a woman who keeps disappearing. Um, I don't think we're spoiling anything when we say this is pretty much the nadir of the season, right? So so far, yeah. <laughs> so far. Yes. And it's really depressing because it's like the first Cisco episode oh, we've had in a while. That's it. I mean, it opens up really strong where we're unpacking some real emotional territory. Or, you know, we're going over some emotional territory that's long overdue for the, the two characters. They're dealing with the death of Cisco's wife and Jake's mother for the first time since the pilot. And it's a long overdue set of complicated feelings being dealt with between Jake and uh, his father. And then it goes quickly down the hill from there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the four-year anniversary of the battle at Wolf 359 where Captain Picard... Blew up Cisco's wife. Yes. <laughs> so um, then, this mysterious woman he is intrigued by on the promenade, and uh, she keeps on disappearing. And then we meet this asshole um, scientist. <laughs> yeah, it's who, Sayatik, or... who is a terraformer. So you know, right off the bat, here and we're in the twenty fourth century, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we still stereotype people by their professions, apparently. And and terraformers in the Star Trek universe, turns out they're really, uh, they're real assholes, according to Dax, right? Yeah. Like, have you ever met a terraformer? They're real assholes. (laughs) 
They're like an artist. But they're lovable. They're yeah. They're like artists. It's just, I, but they're lovable assholes. Yeah, I gotta say people. that I think that the biggest problem with this episode is that guy's not a big enough asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I liked him. I thought he was fine. Well, yeah, he brought some life to the stream. Uh, yeah, 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 he's got like the he's got like the 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 triangle of like things that make you like people. And I get that he's an ass, and I get he's supposed to be an asshole, and he's absolutely like when you talk to the writers, they talk about what they worked in to make him menacing and creepy or whatever. But none of that works because the actor didn't get the memo. He is playing this character as confident, hardworking, and jovial. The the lines here saying is egotistical and self-serving, but in every manner, he seems like a like a a fun a guy at the party. You don't want to. Yeah, well, he actually has magnetism. Yes. Yeah. You you think that's like counter to what is intended? Because I think or yeah yeah no no no. I they, think it they wanted it well to, enough that they, yeah that's just like he's uh, he's like Kanye or something. You know we like him for some <laughs> some people do because he's 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 an egotistical blowhard. But yeah, and he knows it about himself. It's like now wow, now I don't want to get off off track too much, but I know that sometimes we get into angry nerd corner about actual science of what's going on. When, oh, a, yeah. when a star had, dies, they don't just, they're not like put out like a candle, right? They collapse <laughs> this one, on themselves and yeah. explode. So how did they find this, this like, char, this, like this piece sense. of charcoal in space that they're going to relight? <laughs> right. They need to get, yeah, we'll, I, we'll get to that, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, why, let's do it right now because basically. Because I want to talk about the, uh, the opening scene and stuff okay, a little bit too. Okay, go the, for it. The, sorry, sorry. Just the dream. Oh, Cisco's dream. Or uh, Jake, yeah, yeah, Jake's, Jake's, Jake's dream. dream. Yeah, and Ciroc is acting his ass off right here. He's like grappling with things. Even right? in the yeah, vomit yeah. scene, I liked that. But then the dream sequence is like, oh, that nice moment between the him and his dad he doesn't even mention his mom until he's about to go back into his room where he can't sleep or whatever and he's like i miss her too it's like yeah we know the dream was all about missing your mom and not wanting your dad to disappear like your mom did and blah, blah, blah. so it yeah. was a nice touch surprisingly good writing for this episode yeah <laughs> like i didn't have a problem I, I actually like Sayatik's performance and how it messed with it and him being a blowhard and everything. Sure. The rest of the acting and and we're, I'm looking at you, Avery Brooks. <laughs> like, what? Well, wait a I'm minute. Gonna, uh, wait, wait a minute. I, wait, yeah. He's yeah. awful in this episode. No. It's, what? He, yeah, he's he's like he, when he's getting uh, it on when he's the romance thing was totally unbelievable. And no, it's just, I didn't. And it's like he, he just talked. Talks very softly. Well, I and it, he, he does full weirdo Avery Brooks where he's no, just telegraphing. I, that, this is, I'm feeling. I had the other, I had a completely other. I really liked all of his choices, and I was actually thinking that how he does romance more understated than the rest of the captains. <laughs> I thought it was just there's nothing understated about his performance in this to me. Well, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I I I think that. Some of the problems in his or his the choices that he makes that seem strange are because the writers don't know how to write for a man of like his gravitas and the yeah. fact that he's classically trained. And so I think they keep putting him in scenes with these like demure ladies. And that happens like like I think to you know, like he's always gotta go up against sort of like she's demure and he's like powering he's like shakespearean actor power like he you know he's got this booming voice he enunciates he eats each word like a meal 
and they don't write him in rhythms and give him word choices to where that can be effective. And I know this because later on they learn to do that. And so when he speaks, he says these really sort of great things. But like there was this scene in the middle that I think is highlighted of like the worst acting on the show, which is Avery Brooks and Renee Abergenois, two actors we know are high caliber actors. And that comes in and it's just the worst. Tell me, I'm looking for a woman. Tell me about it. I don't know. You know, and they do this and they let, he sets him up to where he keeps saying, I don't know. That is a really basic, dumb rhythm to write a scene between two actors of this caliber. Yeah. yeah. They're not oh, saying yeah. any words of interest, like that sound good coming out of anybody's mouth. This is a scene that's basic and probably sounded funny or interesting on the page. But like, these guys aren't Shakespeare and they're and they're writing for two actors who are Shakespeare trained actors. And so there's something about it where they just like like give him something. Give him some like give him more than this. Put more words in his mouth. Yeah, but, like that Odo like Odo like Renee Abergenois was fine in that he, he was making do with what he had, yeah, I felt yeah. like. And I, Avery Brooks was just like it's clear he's a classically trained mm-hmm. it, actor because he's selling it like he's selling it at, at mm-hmm. like in Shakespeare in the Park yeah. or something where it, where he's totally overplaying like mm-hmm. it's not a naturalistic performance at all which is fine yeah. but he's it's like okay this is the emotion I'm feeling now so everything I'm saying now and I'm just Ex- going to talk very softly exactly. because I'm attracted to this woman now okay and that's the and exact like, same way that James Earl Jones or Andre Brogger or any actor of 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 Avery Brooks's caliber would have performed that. There's just, yeah. and that's a writer's problem. You have to put I, better words in that guy's mouth. I think he yeah. does, and he makes up with a lot of looks. I think Avery yes. Brooks was making a lot of good choices. I think he was making good choices. I know Wade is laughing at me, but I find whatever he looks at this woman who is acting like cardboard, and his eyes, his his eyes, his By eyes. By the way, guys, she still has a she still has a successful and active career in Hollywood. Well, I mean, so, but she got better. But but and that's that's fine. But I'm just yeah. saying that I think that he's transmitting how he feels a lot with his eyes because yes. the words on the page are are garbage. Yeah, he's and making big facial expressions too. That's like I, he's making big choices. I commend them for it. It is entertaining to watch, but I want. I don't I, actually I think, it's I think it's always. I don't always think it's big either. I think sometimes it's subtle. When I, I, I don't know. I think he's doing a, a layered performance more than I think. Like he's not. He's not. You know, Bill Shatner. You know, that's mm. not subtle. That I feel like he's making choices that are a little working on a, a lower current than you know what you think i don't know i, I, I think I the range think, I, think, I didn't see anything subtle in his performance i think, I think what he felt is, that he had i think that he felt that he had to carry this boring stinker well, and so i think that he i think liked. what bothers wade is that sometimes avery brooks is at a two and then he'll go straight from a two to about a nine yeah. and then whereas shatner was always at nine and then when he wasn't at nine he goes to ten but the the fact that you know what I'm saying is that yeah yeah, yeah. I I don't think he's he's I think he's doing I don't know if he's at a two because he's just it's just like this whole episode it's him talking with a soft voice and and being he's being expressive but it just doesn't read to me it looks like a person acting it doesn't look like you know the same thing 
I can see him making the choices. The same thing we said uh, in uh, season one oh, with, when, we were, when, we, I, yeah, when I, we didn't like Kira's performance. I'm with you that I think that maybe he's throwing off, off flavors and off notes. I, I, I may get that, but I don't know if I'm seeing him make the choices. Dax, yes. <laughs> like, but like, and she, <laughs> like, I thought he was as good as Dax in this episode. Well, uh, Wow, well, that's and I've said I say that partly as saying Dax wasn't as bad as she has been, but I felt like he's making better choices, or more noticeable choices in a way that I actually respect that. But yeah. I can see him making them, and I applaud that he's making these big choices. But Mate, I don't okay. know. Okay, so this whole episode started. <laughs> this this episode got picked off the slush pile by, and it was a, it was a slush pile entry, and then to- heavily rewritten by Pillar and Bear. Um, but the reason that they did this is because that Michael Pillar told Ira Bear, who everybody knows my my opinions on Ira, Ira Stephen Bear, but um, they told you love him, right? Yeah, I love him. <laughs> now, they told Bear to find Cisco because they had not done that yet on the show. They don't know who he is, and right. so if Picard was this uh, Horatio Hornblower, Ultimate Explorer sort of man's man seeking the unknown then just by the basic sort of rudimentary thinking of this guy's not going anywhere that he's a builder that he's cisco the builder that he is a man who takes a project and works every nuance and every corner and works it and like he's a craftsman and he you know he builds it and he he doesn't walk away until it's done and i think that that was one of the like early on this season, they gave him the option to like bail on Deep Space Nine and just get the fuck out of there, and the Federation's going to walk away, and it won't be Cisco's fault. But he like goes beyond and beyond to keep the situation together, and so they're trying to find a way of like creating this Cisco as a builder story. And I don't know why they picked this story to do it. And yeah, I don't he doesn't know build why. anything. He doesn't build anything, and they were like, <laughs> not well, even let's- his clock from that uh, old. Uh- <laughs> Season yes. one episode. I thought that turns up again eventually, right? Okay, I don't know. I can but. kind of see that with this because he is oh, he is very tenacious about getting to the bottom of the mysterious woman, and you and it doesn't always seem like it's uh, because of the romance. Yeah, what romance? Yeah. There's no reason. It's mm-hmm. just like they meet, and it's like is he a, is he drugged or something? Is he like you know? I didn't buy yeah. that. Yeah. He's suddenly well, in love. Like well, he, he goes in he turns in love real fast when he's having the conversation <laughs> with Jake and Jake talks right. about like oh, oh she saw this uh Klingon worm food and she threw up and it was hilarious. Which was a great scene, I thought. It yeah. Remind reminded me of when I was in kindergarten and a friend of mine showed Candy Collins <laughs> that was her name, a picture of a turtle skeleton in a book. And she just threw up all over the table. That's hilarious. (laughs) I thought so. But we, but okay. So uh, this woman, for just recap, real quick purposes, she keeps on um, running into to Cisco in the station. And about the time that you think in this story that it might be a a figment of his imagination, we actually have Dax disappear. Yes, because we actually have Dax uh, show up and say, "Hey, I saw you with this woman." So we know that. She could be seen by other people, but she dis- yeah. She literally just. Dis- Do we see Dax see her? No, she just, says later on because I saw it. you yeah, talking yeah. to her at the bar or whatever. Yeah, 
That yeah, would have been nice for them to have shown would... that. To shown that, yes. Yeah, <laughs> just put her in the background, walk by, and oh yeah, give, give her a quick big, goofy look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she gives a big like wide eyes right. over. Like, <laughs> she rubs her eyes with her fists like she can't see. <laughs> she can't <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice to see. But yeah, so and that's yeah because that was so subtle that I missed her say the line, and then when she's on when the big reveal happens with the well, the no, asshole. she gets butt hurt because. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That deals. Hey, you know, I'm glad they take. That's a good character detour. I'm glad they took a moment to address. Yeah, you know, there's. Why some, aren't you telling me about your sexual conquests, Ben? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You used to tell Curzon all this stuff, and she's a little offended. And I, th- like I was saying, and you know, when I say she's as good at, as Avery Brooks in this, mm-hmm. part of that is also a compliment to her. Like, I thought she was fine in that scene. Yeah. I didn't think she was bad. She's starting to know how to play world weariness. Like, I'm a 400-year-old person. I've dealt with everybody, and nobody surprises me. Like, I kind of enjoy it. Like, she's starting to kind of get that. Like, when she walks in and she's like, have you ever dealt with a terraformer? They're, like, they're exhausting. Like, and that was kind of fun to me. Yeah. Like, that she's got, she's pulling that off convincingly. She should oscillate between being uh, world-weary and youthful. Yes. You know, I mean, that, yeah, that yeah. should be, it, you know, the elevator pitch. That should be the character. Yeah, that yeah, should yeah. be the hook. Seeing everything, yeah. but you, but still has the energy and vitality of a, of a young person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, most of the times they just have her have, give her two lines and explain, like, you know, techno babble. Yeah, yeah, here's some bad techno babble. That that, that Jake and Cisco scene where, where he's like, Dad, are you in love right. with a woman? Right. <laughs> <laughs> not not with a dude or with okay uh, at some point we're gonna have to talk about like uh and then and then wait, maybe uh, at the end of that scene i'm sorry just the side eye when what she looked like she keeps disappearing and then he gives his dad like a what the fuck yeah, are you talking about there was about? a there was some <laughs> real concern there was a real concern D- dad are you mentally divergent <laughs> but no uh though at some point we need to talk about how the actress who's playing this woman is, is, is an African-American <laughs> actress. And there's yes. no reason that she has to be. Oh, I've not right. that. Now you're getting into what I would change. So Okay, let's, then let me, let's, I'll pause yeah. on that. Okay, okay, dump that. We'll, we'll, I'll let you get into <laughs> well, that later. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think we pretty much can infer how I feel about that. <laughs> yes. But, all right, but yeah, moving on. Yeah, but um, you're moving on. Okay. Um, I just want to, and then later on, uh, Cisco has a conversation with, with Quark. For no other reason, other than to remind us that the Hollow Suites are gross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and Quark needs to say something in this episode. Yeah, I think it's like he pulls a, "Hey, I'm a bartender. You want to talk and get me in my requisite thirty seconds and yeah, be gross yeah. about the Hollow Suite." Cole Meany and Jake Sisko are trying to figure out how how Armin Shimmerman got in his contract that he's got to be in a scene in every episode <laughs> because they're most definitely well, not. and and, and oh. earlier Sisko makes they, that crack they, about. They, uh, admit it, Chief. If you were uh, on a on a ship that where everything worked, you'd be miserable. And I was like, he was on a ship yeah. like that. It was called the Enterprise. The Enterprise. <laughs> he was on the nicest. He met his wife. He he, he fell in love. He was love. perfectly happy. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it, it, you know, and that very thought is running through O'Brien's mind when he has to nod uh, nod and grin to his commander. Yeah. What uh, if you sure think, boss? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My wife was happy. I was yeah. happy. Yeah. Because because Cisco's weirdly happy there. And he's drinking Charlton tea with a double twist of lemon. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be like he got laid, even though he really just met a woman for a minute. Yeah. It's but weird. it's supposed to be like that was post coital bliss Cisco. And and I, I was strange it was a strange scene how irritating that was to Kira. Yeah. Yeah. It, Kira was like, You you get a right to Chino and now you didn't. And I was like, What what's the deal here? Why the, does this bother you? Yeah, <laughs> why that shouldn't she lived she grew up where she didn't know if like everybody she knew was going to be killed that day. Why would a small change like that really <laughs> she should be able to roll with things better than anybody. <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe it's that's because she's she's got a little bit of dad. No, I need everything to be the same every time. I've lost too many people. Right. <laughs> I don't know. That, that was either that or you write that scene. I think it's just badly written. Yeah, you write that scene because the only way that that scene ever works is between two other characters or two other relationships where the woman knows what that or the Kira character knows what that means that he's had sex with somebody and she's jealous, and we all know <laughs> that that's absolutely not the case. So it's weird. I mean, it's it could work on a different level where she is just like super observant, and she's mm-hmm. just trying to get to the bottom of. And I think that's what they were trying to go for. You're, you're if try- she was gossipy, nah, if she's gossipy, she's She's very astute, and you mm-hmm. know, maybe in the Star Trek universe, you don't know if he's been taken over or you know, <laughs> or if it's really him. Because um, yeah. we've mentioned before that the Federation must have some sort of like clause where if your body's taken over by something that you're not responsible for whatever damage <laughs> for, right yeah, murder, murder damages yeah, it, turn to chapter turn to chapter 10 clause four. right right it'll, right it'll walk you through so, how to handle that i think yeah. that um it would have been interesting if they if she referenced the fact that bashir's been taken over uh, by a criminal and uh you know that's why it's super fucking weird that he drinks something you know yeah you're right. That would be a nice character trick. That yeah. Would, that you know, would she's fun. trained to make sure that nobody's going to like kill her. You know, she's got to be mm-hmm. super watchful. She's got to, you know what I mean? I don't know. There's a, there yeah, was a yeah. more interesting way to go with it. I think you're right though. James. Mm-hmm. Well, basically it all goes to, they have this dinner party at the scientists. Uh, say, uh, say a tick. Oh, let's backpedal to a crucial scene where I think we have a misdirection. Okay. Real quick before the say a tick. Oh, okay. Um, Odo, for no reason, is debriefing some of his underlings about a criminal with a psycho or like some psychic. A near field psychic. Right. And that you can't get within five meters of this criminal uh, because he's got some psychic powers. Limited short range psychic powers. And it sticks out like it's, it's a weird scene. It's weirdly shot. It's weirdly staged. It yeah. doesn't belong. In and, so you think, aha, this is like some sort of clue as to what's going on with Cisco. Now, I it was so poorly done. I'm asking you guys, what what do you think the intent of that scene was? Was it supposed to be a misdirect or was it? Yeah, that's a good question. So. Just because, I, don't, I think it was like what the we, we just needed to pad out this episode. Maybe well, but the cat out of the bag is, is that's close enough to what the deal yes. is. Yeah, yeah. But not but not a bullseye right. that it was either if. If it wasn't intentional, you would take it out. Right. But if it was intentional, it wasn't so. Clear. Were they just trying to say this is a common thing that happens in this world, and it's so common that Odo has to debrief his underlings on a completely different? Like, is it a? 
Is it just to like dip your toes into that water that it could happen, it's, or is it a mystery? It's so. allowing you to believe that psy- psychics or psychics psy- psychics can actually exist in this world. Yeah, I mean we've already. I, s- s- I don't know what I don't know what's going on with that weird little scene. Know. Is my point, and it bugged me. Bugged yeah, you're right. It's total yeah, total red herring. Why okay, is it there? if it's a red herring, then it it's sort of clever, or I, it's an attempt at being clever. Yeah. But if it's not, uh, if it's not an intentional red herring. That it's just clumsy way at letting us know that this is a real problem for the people in this universe. You're right. Mm-hmm. It is totally like not it's clear not. enough. Wishy washy. It's like yeah, like what? You, come on, man. Figure out what you want this scene to be and make it. I that. feel like a scene like, maybe was cut yeah. or something, and then that was like. Yeah, that would make. S- there, there's probably maybe there's like a B plot that they just didn't ran out of time for right. or something in an early draft that just kind of like yeah. they forgot to cut that bit out of like probably that's what I'm gonna guess it's because this was a slush pile script maybe like the guy just was wanting you know because it sounded like the guy was a, the guy's only wrote slush pile episodes for Deep Space Nine yeah so he didn't like go off it didn't use this as a springboard to be a better writer what he uh, he just last year released a book called Close Encounters Man how uh. Dr. Alan Hannock made it the world safe to believe in UFOs. Okay. So, like, yeah, he's that kind of guy. And uh, he... Uh, I was um, just going to say, why don't we just blame I, I your think friend he was excited. <laughs> that, that's true, but I don't think that... He's a hack, but he's a better hack. I think this was just a guy that was happy to be writing Star Trek stuff yeah. in a screenplay format, and I think that that sounded Star Trek-y. Yeah. But yeah, back to sorry. The, like, back the, to the, the... I had a lot of bones to pick with this, this episode. Fellas. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in an earlier draft, it was like more of a, like a mind control thing. But if Iris Stephen Bear got the memo that they need to be an episode about Cisco, like, oh, I guess I have to rewrite it because if it's. Oh, I guess I have to say it was written about Bashir. Oh, really? OK. Yeah. The slush pile script was. Oh, Bashir. that makes sense because he he's, thinks with he's, his. He's yeah, a horned yeah, dog. Yeah. That was the only thing that was there for. And then they made it about Cisco because. They needed to make an episode about Cisco, and how you do that is you make him fall in love. So you figure out what kind of man he is by how who he wants to fuck. And so, like that was why they did that. But so I think basically the whole storyline's the same. the The terraformer was a bit more abusive, more clearly abusive, and a darker character, which I think they intended to write uh, as a darker yeah. character. So this is like the whole thing I was going to say about the the terraformer. Is that in the original, like when I received a bear and Mike Pillar wanted to write it, they wanted to base the terraformer off of John Huston. And by John Huston, I assume they mean the the, John, the character John Huston plays in Chinatown, Ooh. and uh, who's also the basis for Daniel Plainview, the way that Paul Thomas Anderson's "There Will Be Blood." There, at no point does like what the actor is doing in these scenes and the feeling of this character come across from those like. From from John Huston's performance in in Chinatown, yeah, like it's all which is menacing and creepy, dark, like you right. know, it's like a and it would give you like not, a reason to feel for his wife more, like like yeah. oh she's in a bad place and that's why she's mm-hmm. spoiled. So they said they were going to write that, but I guess that never got. I, I don't know. I, I at some point in the translation of that to a Star Trek episode, 
he just became a jovial, egotistic man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, a, a lovable, rakish man, which is what I felt like. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like everybody was telling me he was an unenjoyable asshole. Well, I get back I, to I the know. dinner party, so, though. That was, we, that was the biggest problem I had. But yeah, at this, it all kind of Yeah, comes the dinner party dinner turns party. out, surprise, you meet the guy's wife, and it looks just like the mysterious woman. Yeah. Uh, what is her name? Feta? Finna. Finna. I'm thinking of fennel. <laughs> yeah, it was like, a, yeah, fennel is what I was going to co- yeah, so you, it, it looks just like uh, the mysterious woman, and she acts like she doesn't know Cisco. Well, and turns out she doesn't know Cisco. Her name is Nadell, and uh, and she still has the same uh, distinctive. Yes, she's got ears, the ears, but she's got a say. different haircut, and, and she she's not she she wasn't wearing red. This ridiculous, sexy ass costume. Oh, that, yes, yeah, that man, that costume is the worst. <laughs> oh no, there's other things yes. that are the worst in this episode, but it's pretty bad. My yes, my favorite uh, thing I, about this I whole could, I couldn't stop looking at her. Oh uh, yeah, that was the they're like, like double uh, cl- uh, Vulcan ears with two points. My favorite thing about this whole episode is in the dinner scene, which my favorite acting of maybe <laughs> this whole series because everything's my favorite ever. I guess okay. it's just. O'Brien's background yes. acting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't think he says a he line. He does not. But, but he has like the, like he's smelling sh- <laughs> like someone shit their pants. Like he is the most like, like he is so angry to have to be right. in that room with these people. Because you get this like overly fake Kira. And at first I just thought it was like poor. We're, we're back to old mm-hmm. Kira. But it like a- after, after the guy leaves, you say that she's putting on this act, and she's like, "Can I? Can we? Can we get the hell out of here?" Like, and so you get that her fakeness. Is yeah, like yeah. A, you oh, know, how like how you treet your how you treat your great aunt at Christmas time. Right. O- or O'Brien, not, O'Brien he, is just yeah. the one guy who he has he no like he has one, he, no patience. Yeah, yeah. He, he does have one line in there where, where the guy's talking about how great he is at a cook or whatever, and O'Brien says, "Oh, uh, oh he's yeah. just being nice. Oh, I would love to have the recipe for my wife yeah. to cook for me," and he. Gives him a whole long spiel and is like, uh, I did actually didn't give a shit. Maybe maybe you could write it down. <laughs> yes, of course, I'll do that. Maybe you could write that down. <laughs> I was just trying to be nice. So, <laughs> But the eye rolls he's gives. Man. Eventually we get mm-hmm. to the science stuff, and I kind of wanted to unpack that a little bit. Why, what what kind of... I got a lot for angry nerds. Yeah, I want to yeah. hit it, Wade. Why do they think that we would think a, a dead star is just a lump of charcoal okay. in space? Yeah, they're going to you know blow up this star or rebirth this star, and they need to get the ship to go up to warp 9.5 to outrun an explosion, which should only be the speed of light. So if you can go past warp 1, you don't have to worry about the star blowing up on you, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's ramifications post-warp that we don't know because we haven't broke the light barrier but maybe there's maybe when a super maybe a supernova affects whatever band of space you're in at warp sure yeah we'll we'll say that's the case (laughs) but i was like i feel like if you're going faster objects objects can't go faster than the speed of light period so once you're assuming that something can yeah but well warp they're warp you're right there's theoretical you know but you're warping the space and so you're not technically going fast but so let's say that there's theoretical side effects you know i guess that makes sense it's like a singularity it's like a black hole that much probably space time gets warped maybe you do need to go warp 9.5 okay i'll 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 allow it (laughs) but the the charcoal moon 
dead star. It's like, come on. A dead star is called a black hole. That's what happens when a star dies. Yeah. It goes at, well, well, but that's what I, that's what happens with a giant. Yeah, star. you go. You but have like white it, dwarfs and you have red dwarfs. And can a star just turn into like the issue is that like when a star becomes, they say carbon and something else. Uh, carbon and iron, oxygen, right? Yeah. Once, once, which oxygen isn't a fucking. Yeah, he, that's what know. he says. But, yeah, like, well, yeah. putting proto matter. Proto matter, fine. That's your basic like MacGuffin. Yeah. It'll fix it. Anything. Who cares? But sure. you're going to take protomatter, put it into the middle of this rock slash dead star, and it will convert the uh-huh. high, the um, what was it something in oxi- oxygen oxygen into hydrogen whatever it is Let's, into yeah into hydrogen, which is something that theoretically could happen because hydrogen is just a single right. atom. So you bust it all sh- all the shits up into like single atoms, but like it should be like iron. Like can a can a sun once it dies. Just it means it's got too much iron in its core. I guess that makes and because like, it's because it, it's made that heavy metal. Finally, it's cooked to that point where it's making that heavy metal. I don't know. I I just have to find it hard to believe. It's theory I, that there are like if it's a small sun, like say our sun, like a small star, it could like just be a like a molten like ball of lead. Yeah, like iron. our sun will go supernova and expand. Yeah, ours is. And then yeah, ours is. But it wasn't ours big enough. To, yeah, that, yeah. But once it ours does, is, that's yeah. But once it does that, it's not going to collapse into a black hole. No, it'll be like it'll a white be, dwarf or. White I mean, dwarf. I'm not a fist. Yeah. I'm the, I'm no Neil deGrasse Tyson, so I can't say for certain. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to have a ball. A ball. Yeah. Of a rock. That would be. And it's definitely not going to be carbon. Right. And, and rock that's my thing. Oxygen. Is there's not going to be right. anything to land like, on and reignite. Yeah. Exactly. Because it'll all have burned off yeah. or just they're, they there's they're not, people know what happens when stars die they don't turn right. into little ro- exactly. rocks in the middle of the space so. i mean theoretically if they wanted to do it like it seems like isn't a neutron star a really small a low burning small star you're right yeah they're, they're I, the smallest and densest stars that's what i was thinking maybe they could resurrect it or something like maybe he could turn it into like a, a like a billowous yellow sun maybe he could take a shitty star and turn it yeah, into a yeah, better yeah. star if, that could be what he's trying to do they, have like, they stopped giving the uh, scripts out early to the nerds in the use groups to check anymore or something because I feel like this is like I just blatant. So. Like, come on! But we I, find out that do um, yeah, this species so. of uh, of mm-hmm. this guy's wife, he this is his like what eighth wife or whatever. I mean, he's gone through many wives because he's such an asshole. We find out. Yeah. Oh yeah, that yeah. This particular wife has never been off world, mm-hmm. right, of her home planet until she met him. Until she met him, yeah. Later on, like in the next couple of scenes, we find out, well, we see the mystery woman disappear right in front of Cisco's eyes. Then later she reappears. He calls Dax in. Dax says, I'm not getting any readings. There's no DNA. This is not, you know, this is just nothing standing in front of me. Pure energy. Just just so yes, it comes out that she is a psychic projection psychic manifestation a psycho projector telepath of of this terraforming asshole's wife is projected like a subconscious manifestation of this guy's Mm -hmm. wife yeah it's supposed to be something that they control they only do during like stressful periods (laughs) i think it's like it's like bedwetting like or during tax season they're gonna do a lot lot more (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. And, and when they do it it seems like they go into some sort of coma right because it's her occipital lobe is putting out so much energy it's killing her for See, I know you write those things down. That's why I don't write them down. <laughs> uh, whenever Fennel is out, yeah. whenever Fennel, Fennel, you can call her Fennel, Fennel, Fennel or Feta. Uh, whenever it's she's Fennel, out, but about, we'll call her Fennel. I assume that non-Fennel is in the bed 
like in a coma, right? Probably the reason Cisco saw her when he was up late walking around the promenade on the Mm -hmm. anniversary of his wife's death is probably because she was asleep and it was like a dream. That's what, when she dreams, she might psycho project that out. But Mm -hmm. it's when she's in a really stressful situation and it's because she hates her husband and wants to leave him. But she can't because... Helen, Helanin's mate for life. That's just something they do. Yeah. So she's stuck. Which is Throw probably some- the terraformer's total dick move. Because if you've known if you've blown through eight wives and you meet some, like, let's pretty young girl. Oh, like, yeah. He knew it. Who falls yes. in love with you. It seems like you want to, like, a, maybe I'm not the one right. for you. I blow through right. women pretty quick. Yeah. Like, Cause, like yeah. it seems like so, that was extra douchey Right, because he knew that species mates for life. You think you're yeah. going to get it right on number nine or whatever? He's like Larry King. Exactly. Well, he loves yeah. her, and and then Cisco, like, you really love her, right? And she loves you, and he's like, yes, she does, but I don't know why, says always Wistful. And, and that's actually a pretty good scene where he's actually sad, and he the veneer of his ego kind of drops when he talks about his wife and how sad he is about her dying or whatever. And I don't know why, but you do know why. He says he doesn't know why she loves him, but apparently it's because they mate for life and she doesn't have a choice. Well, okay. it, it turns out she doesn't love him. She, that's right. why she's running around the station in a red slinky-ass dress. It's like the same thing with the red herring before. They don't know, they're half-assing it. Yes. Does she still, does she really love him? Or is it like a chemical is it like a pheromones thing where she can't leave him she's bonded to him that seems like what it is the case being is it physical love or is it something about them they bond like pets do like two rabbits i didn't think that like she would die if she left so but she's it's also she's physically unable to leave him because they mate for life but we don't know what that means just throw in some you know techno babble basically about why she can't actually physically do that they just yeah. say, you know, she can't. Tell us why she can't. All of this is drifted away from Cisco and love with a person because it all kind of gets away. Like where the story goes, it was like I was barely interested where the story was in the first act that it drifts further away from a point as the story goes, which maybe seems to be a trend especially this season that good ideas get lost somewhere in the somewhere in the, like the second act. Yeah, like, yeah. The, everything just like fucking like becomes like nonsense. And yeah, it, like and things just don't even match up with what they say like 5 minutes before. Like mm-hmm. like why does she can't leave him and and at the end like when she's dying and Cisco and Fennel have a heart to heart like and where he tells her Cisco says you have to go back. And she's like, I don't know if I can. And then they go back to Sayatik. And then they just say, we found a way to save her. Because oh, going back to the end, Sayatik is does love his wife. So he's going to do a suicide run <laughs> yeah. onto the Dead Star <laughs> so that she can be free of him because they mate for life. And and he's in the, he's in the ship. They're talking to him on the screen. And Sister says, no, you don't have to do this. We found a way to save her. But mm-hmm. they didn't. He just said, you have to go back. She yeah. says, okay, I don't know if I can. I don't know how to do that. So they didn't was find that, a way to save Was that a scene him. that was cut, do you think? Like, I, I feel like there are pieces of this story that were clearly missing. Yeah. And I feel like that's a good example, I, it's like, too. Yeah, it's like she agrees to try to go back, I guess, because she doesn't want to die. Like, okay, I will, but they don't know how. It's like, it's, it's just the follow-through. It's not there. I'm going to... Okay, I I think that this problem has the same problem that I noticed in the Quark Love episode we did a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, Is that maybe no one in this writer's room 
is very familiar with women. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back, wait a minute. Pump the brakes a little bit. Are you are you are you suggesting that science fiction television writers maybe don't have the best relationship with women? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna really I'm gonna go on a limb here and I'm gonna go. Like yes, I'm gonna. You mean like a, a shaved head guy with a blue goatee? <laughs> like Might not well know how to write women. Yeah, no. Okay, so like no, like okay, it's like all just like I feel like the scales have just fallen from my eyes. That these shows, like, my God, they don't know how to write romance. These things, because I was, it was right when I said that this episode just kind of unravels in the second act. It was like they know we got to write romance, just like with Quark. Why don't we give Quark a love interest? Why don't we give Cisco a love interest? So what they do is they make googly eyes like at women, and they don't like say, with Quark. There was more going on, so that was a better episode. Yeah, at least they've like, known each other for a while. Better, you mean he's just stroking his ear subconsciously while they have a conversation? I don't think that's. Yeah, but like. But it's still but more than Cisco gets. But they're working on an outward plot where this one's all yeah. inward. It's all about the one, him and the woman, and the woman is like, like they talk, they talk about a picnic, which is the same thing that Leanna Troy they wrote in little like, yeah, the sci-fi writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're gonna go up to the pylon and have a picnic and look out over the thing, and I'm like, at some point, do you do you know like how a woman pushes? Not pushes back against a sexual advance, but makes a sexual advance of her own. And then the man gets to, and then it's a. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about like just agency. And yeah, but right, there's yeah. an agency to it that is romantic. It's a dance, it's a seduction. And they're both seducing each other that you can, even if she's demure, she can play a role. But this woman, this Fennel, has no fucking character. It is this poor woman's projection of her ideal self. And all she does is wispily walk around in a sexy-ass outfit and talk about picnics like they don't talk about anything else. She has no personality outside of just, like, being fuckable to Cisco. And so, like, I don't, like, yeah. That's what the DC whole problem Fontana is. DC is not in the writer's room. That's what the they, whole they problem is. They bring her on for yes. like, the, like, all right, you're DC Fontana. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> you're <laughs> going to be our... Others. Yeah, there is no... I don't think there is a woman in this writer's room. But like, there is like... It, they just... I don't know. Like, this episode is so fucking boring because Fennel isn't a character. And I get that the non-Fennel, whatever her name is... Non-Fennel is, supp- <laughs> is supposed to be no- born. Nadel, Nadel. But we'll call her Noodle. Noodle and Fennel. <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that she is supposed to be boring and and and, and browbeaten and, and, and dejected. I get all of that. But Fennel is supposed to be her best self. Yeah. And, and then... Like nothing. Like literally. She yeah. has got the same personality as the, the fuck toy that Bashir made. Uh, and whatever the episode was in season one, where he turned Dax into like a like oh, a yeah, yeah. like a mindless. Oh fuck yeah, bot. like this isn't yeah, our like, first projection, like, is it? No, no. Oh and wow, so, we like, went to the well twice on the psychic. I three times. I mean, we <laughs> yeah. You know the the pilot at emissaries got projections oh, out the yeah. wazoo too. Yeah, uh, not not sexual fuck butt projections. No, but like, that's true. Yeah, but like. That's the and so like I learned nothing from Cisco because I le- basically all I love from Cisco is he likes to he wants to he's fuck. a creep he wa- <laughs> no he wants to fuck attractive black women that's all I know about him like I don't know anything else about what it turns him and how on, does that really make us di- make him different from the rest of us exactly <laughs> right. exactly so like that's all I know yeah and even so- after Sayatek uh, blows himself up and sets her free mm-hmm. she's about to go home. The last scene, she has a 
Cisco's on the promenade and she wanders up and he's like, oh, oh, how'd you know I'd be here? And he's like, oh, maybe you remembered something because she says she doesn't remember Fennel at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, and she's like, oh, how'd you know I was here? And he's like, did you remember? It's like, no, Dax told me. I don't remember anything, you creep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and she's like, I wish I knew what Fennel was like. And, and Cisco <laughs> tells her, she was just like you, <laughs> a lady I don't know at all. <laughs> well, she looked like you. <laughs> yeah. What was she like? Oh, she, she had weird vagina like ears like you do. <laughs> like, no, like, yeah, like, I, we're Tumblr tears social justice warriors on this podcast. This is why you have women in the writer's room. Oh, yeah. This shit doesn't happen. Somebody's going to say, what the fuck is this that you're turning in as a female character? This person is a nothing. Like, like, and someone is going to say, this isn't romantic. Like, that's, that's why you have diversity in writing room. Just for, in case everyone ever is, like, confused on that. This well, is I, yeah, I, I agree <laughs> right. with that all statement. Before we get into what we would change, and maybe this is a little bit of a segue, because it's a little different from what we touched upon before. I don't understand, mm-hmm. uh, species that actually mate for life, they, when one half of them dies... The other half, the, the other, other one, one dies. dies. So it's like the surefire way to kill one half <laughs> is to go barreling into a sun and kill yourself. Isn't that dooming? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Isn't there an inherent well, problem with maybe, maybe, maybe they're married? That maybe they're married for the the first life, for the end of the first person to die. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's not like, clear whether it's a why they mate for life. Yeah, yeah. It's do they feel strongly about it, or do they have a like a physical need? Do they die or what? You know, that yeah, that nagged know. at yeah. me. I, that was like that. That's yeah. so counterintuitive. That is a thing that was thrown into the episode for convenience because I think they probably got to the end without this in the script, and they go, "Well, wait a minute. Why is this guy killing himself? He could have just fucking." Filed for the force. Right. He did it eight times. And they were before. like, well, we can't. I'm sure he's got a lawyer on retainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He seems like he gets into trouble. You know, he's a, yeah. he's an ego. He's probably got some libel suits against All him. All right. So that yeah, that so, was yeah. my final thought on that. So okay. Mm-hmm. Um I'll I'll just kick it off real quick. I think it's pretty obvious that this is a love interest for Cisco because it, the actor is a person of color. And that mm. rubbed me the wrong way. There is no need for them to do that other than it's 1993 and, you know, they still feel the need to not have interracial couples on TV. Yeah. Yeah. They had to get this on the television in Alabama. So. <laughs> right. The, but she's her husband's a white guy. So oh, that, that's a good know. point. Whoa. That's a good point. That's a good point. But for the captain, but, Cisco, but you can't have the captain is, or a commander, mm-hmm. rather, of the show going after a, a white woman or hell, make her purple or whatever. But you don't have right. to. Right. I mean, I feel like, and knowing where the show goes later, it feels like, yeah, just throw in a one off per where it's like, but you know, at the same time, it would be like, do they have to go the other way and make it like an interracial thing? Well, which one do you choose? Like, you know, it's so it's so yeah, weird yeah. that you have to have like interspecies couples are okay, but as long as they're the same color for the captain, I don't know. That is so yeah, messed up. I mean, three years later, we have first contact, and then we have an African American woman and a captain on the movie screen, and they are sort of they're what? more like peers rather than a 
Well, but Alfre Woodard is sort of serves as his love interest. Sort of as much. I don't know. Yeah, but that's another thing. Is like why could I don't know. So anyway, no, no, no. You are right. Okay, two points. I'll say into that. I'll say that I think most definitely like Patrick Stewart can have a, a love affair with Alfre Woodard. I think that could even happen on the episode. A, a white man can sleep with any woman he wants to on television in 1993. Not so with a black man. Right. Yeah, I think that's my and problem I, I do, with it. Yeah. I do think, yeah. yeah, no, no, it's a problem. It was a problem. You, it was a problem that if, okay, like, I've always said, especially like if a Star Trek, Starfleet-like sort of society existed on Earth, and like like the show portrays in the 24th century, no one would look like Benjamin Sisko anyway. Everybody right. would look like Zoe Kravitz, and everybody, like, everybody would be hot and tan. Like, <laughs> right. like and that... No one would look like that anymore because that kind of racial barriers that keep, you know, like races, you know, pure, I guess, are... are <laughs> you feel are, real are, gross saying that. I <laughs> did, I did. But the, these kind of things that keep, like, you know, these racial divisions yeah. that, uh, that, that would be melted away because no one would be putting these artificial constructions on who people can well, love. And, and actually, in, it's so interesting that you say that because in... Start Star Trek Enterprise. They there's a whole bunch of timeline bullshit that happens, and they meet somebody from like the 29th century, and mm-hmm. they say, "Well, I've got you know Klingon blood, Vulcan blood. You know, they're all mm-hmm. like 12 different species of of, exactly. of ancestors. Yeah, and it's a real it's a real thing because there's no artificial construction on who to breed with, and, and so that. That's always that was irritated me when you meet Jennifer and like it, yeah, in the first and episode then, and, and you're like, yeah. well, this must be your love interest because you're the only black girl in this show, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and it's kind of it's sad that Star Trek is the one that started breaking all those barriers exactly. on television. Anyway, it's like you know back in when you know her and and uh, and Shatner kiss on screen it was a big deal even though they were forced to but it like for 1963 or whenever that was but let's let's not act like if benjamin cisco had slept with a white woman now on this television show 4chan and reddit wouldn't have blown up with a bunch of racist crap that's true so i mean but it would have been mitigated to that and people would be like shaking their fingers like hey man most people are like we're better than that 1993 I don't know. Like it's yeah. it's wrong. Now it there's was... a counter argument. There wouldn't have yeah, been yeah. then. The other the other thing that was just like you know that this woman was cast only because she's African American or or, or a, a, a person of color because you know if this even though Bashir is nominal I mean not nominally but Bashir is a is a you know he's he's a person of color too but a more acceptable to American person of color you know if this episode went forward where Bashir was the lead. The woman would have been white. Yeah, probably. I mean, you just know in your heart that would have been. Yeah, nice. you just kind of feel <laughs> like, like. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's just because he had that. I would change. Yeah. What, what, what about you guys? Maybe. Do you want to go first or me? Um, I can go. I, okay. I, I have. Yeah, this whole episode is half-assed. Like, okay, so she's a psychoportive telepath or whatever. The love dynamic between her Fennel and Cisco was totally not believable. You're like, what is wrong with him? He's acting like weirdo. Okay. If he's doing that, then throw a plot element into where she's also controlling him into loving her at least. Make it more sinister what's going on, what she's doing to him and their whole love. He's willing to do anything for her because he's being almost coerced into loving her. 
make He's enraptured. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I guess kind of a succubus kind of thing, but yeah. to where that she's kind of there. There's like a kind of malicious texture to it, and just instead of like, but I love this woman for no reason. Noodle might not be a bad person, but her subconscious is like her id or something is a hates her, that wants out of her husband marriage. So she's trying to be a. Uh, controlling a man like she's being controlled by her husband or something to make the Fennel character a little more have something behind her that she's doing other than I just love you so much Benjamin because <laughs> because because mm-hmm. just make it to where she's at she's a telepath she's you t- fix it with character motivation fiddle. is how you would fix it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go figure. So the one thing I, I what I would do is is just to make the episode a three hand a three hander. It's about Cisco, Fennel, Noodle, and the man, and like make it a drama about that. Cisco falls in love with this woman. A first off, write her like a real fucking woman, and yeah. write her like not just like a real woman, but write her like the ideal projection of what a woman would want to be. Right, right. Make her. This is supposed to be like she's like a bored housewife, uh, with a asshole for a husband, and this this projection is supposed. It's like kind of like Thelma and Louise, like you know that. She's off like in Vegas, fucking Brad Pitt. Why isn't this girl like that? And I'm not saying that she needs to be sex positive or anything. I'm just saying that she needs to be like enjoying herself and and sort of uh, with a joie de vivre that is this woman doesn't show. It's not on the page and it's definitely not from the cardboard performance of this actress. But yeah. like so so if Cisco if the whole first episode was Cisco falling in love with this like super interestingly yeah yeah like and then and you find out a, and mm-hmm. make him more conflicted when he's like oh and he's like oh she has a husband that's that yeah and then yeah. he's still gonna make that decision but make him like make him ex. let's see him think about it and have a and relationship like, with the man with having, almost yeah, like, yeah. what i'm thinking of is like almost like casablanca with the you know the guy like yeah, the, yeah. i, I want to steal this woman from this asshole but he's not an asshole right but like he's yeah. a good guy and like i i you know, the only thing that's changed is that I want to, you know, so he's left with this idea that he knows that the woman wants to be better, like the real woman, the 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 real person. But she's sort of trapped in this sort of mindset or this ideology that she needs to be a good wife to this asshole and that he knows that she that there's a better woman out. There's a woman that wants more in her brain. He knows mm-hmm. that because he's met her. But she doesn't know that. And so, like, does he let her go? Or does he, if he liberated her, she could be that woman. She could self-actualize to the person she wants to be. But the woman doesn't want that. You know, like, so he's like, why don't you come along? I know you want to be these better things. You tell me that you want to experience these things in life. And I want to help you experience them. And she goes, I don't want that. That was, like, that was some part of my psyche. But don't, you know... And so that it's like that. Then you have the Star Trek question: What do I trust, the astral projection, or do I trust what the woman right. is telling? That's me? actually a more interesting central question to the episode because and, actually and this so episode you, had no central question. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so you ask the question like, I, I, you know, so he falls in love with this woman's best self, but the woman wants to deny the best self, and at the end you see her go off with the ass. He doesn't kill himself in a blaze of glory for no fucking reason. Like you see, like. You see her go off, uh, a, a brow beaten, probably abused woman of this of this a- great asshole. Like, 
Right. But, that's but what, she's that's, made but her she's choice. Making he her wants choice. to save her, but he can't kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's a prime directive in a in a relationship. Yeah. You have yeah. like a prime relationship. You know, you have to deal with prime directive shit in a relationship. Actually, you could actually so, bring up the prime directive in the mm-hmm. in the episode in an interesting way and yeah. as a metaphor for why, you know, the central the central mm-hmm. ideals of of the Federation, this guy's job is that you don't inter- like you let people be the people they want to be. You know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't use your power to make people in your image. And yeah. that yeah, see, this is already more interesting than what we actually saw. <laughs> and he could have really great scenes with Dax where he's trying to like, no, I want to take her. What would be what's keeping me from taking her? And she has to like really like talk right. him down. Like you're no, you're 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 fucking up here. Right. You know, don't let your dick, like, get in charge of who you are. You know, and that could be, like, a real, like, her, you know, so, like, it, mm. yeah, yeah, there's a more interesting episode so the, here. It's a really squandered opportunity. And then we would actually get to know Cisco. And oh, yeah. we could see Cisco the Builder. <laughs> so. Well, guys, uh, we're at the part of the show where we talk about the IMDb star rating. Um, this one has 545 votes. Anybody want to guess out of 10 what uh, the people of IMDb think of Second Sight? Six point oh. Six point oh for weight. Uh, I'll go with. Is that may is that? I wonder. I mean, you don't have to go check on this because that would be obnoxious. But like, I wonder if that's the lowest one we've had. I, I'm gonna go with six. Uh, six point one. Yeah, it's six point one on the nose. <laughs> ding 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 ding. My my price is my price is right. Usually we usually disagree with the with the majority of you know we either think something's mm-hmm. better than than most people or we think things are worse than most people but this one it seems that we i mean we went from necessary evil last week which was 8.2 which was yeah that was and great to this mm-hmm. i mean it's obvious when they're going to the slush pile i think yeah i mean i would have personally given it a little less than I a 6.1 i probably would have gone with a 4 this is a four. Yeah, right. yeah, let's. Yeah, let's. Yeah, these people are too generous to this. So. No, uh, yeah, no, and I think at this point, it's it's not just when they go to the suspile; it's when they don't go to Peter Allen Field. <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah, at this totally. point, it's that's 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 when you know it'll be a bad episode. Yeah. I do have to say that at this point, though, Cisco has name checked uh, as his great loves Bob Gibson and Samuel Beckett. Yes, I can't, I can't, I can't fault him there. He is a captain after my. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this another thing I noticed in this episode: they make whoever they sent this in for the slush pile or unsolicited really like throwing in. Usually, it's all 20th century references. That mm-hmm. it's all different names of alien foods. Uh, oh yeah, Gatrock, Klingon, Klingon poetry, poetry. yeah, mm-hmm. um, Kalo roots, Humat pods, roast waroon, and the Klingon uh, poet was like it was like the poem was like central, yeah, so like yeah, the, yeah. like the growth, like it was the like, fall of Kang that they yeah. teach in the academy. Pity the war, the rhyme doesn't work out, but it's translated from Klingon. I'll give it a pass. Yeah, like something something sword. Pity of the warrior who slays all his foes yeah, and, like that's, that. and that's and yeah, that's klingon yeah. that's really good klingon that's yeah okay yeah, yeah. so slush pal guy probably got the nerd the star trek nerd element stuff good uh, <laughs> right. i think it's probably yeah. producers punching it up let's pepper oh, let's no, add some uh, actual I don't star know. trek seasoning to this bitch yeah. yeah well probably the nerds you know love that seasoning too 
Wait, wasn't cl- Robert clearly Hewitt... he didn't know how to write didn't know women we already didn't Robert that. Hewitt got a writing credit on this he's a good writer yeah he did yeah so he might have been anything good I'm gonna assume Robert Hewitt Wolf wrote <laughs> he, he probably... wrote those, those the Jake and Cisco scenes were good writing yeah good job Robert Hewitt Wolf <laughs> we'll say you did those ones I think that's it buddy all right yeah that's good I have no I usually say what what we do next week but I have no idea what that episode is next week so it's called sanctuary a race that has been conquered twice over one of the conquerors being the mysterious dominion oh, oh i think oh, we're getting into it oh okay. yeah okay so we're okay i think we're back on track hopefully cross my fingers knock on wood all right yep all right that's it for this week say it again yeah three to beam yeah. out did you know that some deep space nine podcasts have more reviews than us on itunes doesn't that piss you off? Please review us. Okay. Well, that was Second Sight from August 22nd, 2016. And, um, I mean, it's pretty unanimous across the board. All three of us thought this was kind of a stinko episode. Although, uh, Wade, as always, uh, took umbrage with Avery Brooks's performance, which is totally understandable. I, uh... (laughs) I, I liked it, and I think way, I think James was somewhere in the middle. Um, a couple interesting things from this particular episode. We're talking about the terraforming that happened. Um, <laughs> we're talking about how the scientists was, we kind of made a comment about how they're kind of like Kanye. <laughs> which, that, that particular comment probably, is, maybe that comment has aged poorly. Because since 2016... Uh, it has been confirmed that Kanye has some mental health issues that um, explain a lot of his behavior uh, displayed in the public eye. So, anyway, I don't know if we would even bring up Kanye if, if the podcast were done today. <laughs> so, there's that. Um Another thing, there is a lot of talk about collapsing stars and speculating on the science behind all that. I'll just tell you right now, when I was listening to this episode, I was like, I am not going to double check any of that. <laughs> I'm not going to double check any of the science fiction facts. Like All of that seemed like way too daunting to get into the minutiae of that. So I'm sorry, but I do encourage you all to, to look up that yourself. I'm, st- I'm still convinced that you can't reignite a sun <laughs> because they're not less, like laying around like a piece of uh, burnt-out charcoal in space. Another interesting thing that struck me from this episode was... Um, Iris Stephen Bear, he made a comment that they based the scientist terraformer off of John Houston, which is completely weird to me. I don't. Um, I wanted to confirm that it was the Chinatown character, just like James suggested in this episode, and I couldn't. I couldn't find anything specific about that. However, in some of my googling. I did find that Cole Meany actually had worked with John Huston. Uh, he was actually in a John Huston movie called The Dead from 1987. It's a movie that John Huston 
directed. It's based off a of James Joyce uh, short story from the Dubliners. Um, it came out in uh, December 18th, 1987. And this is the IMDb description real quick. Gabrielle Conroy and wife Greta attend an early January dinner with friends at home with uh, the, at the home of the spinster ants, uh, ants plural, an evening which results in an epiphany for both of them. I never heard of this movie. I'm not that familiar with James Joyce, uh, his all of his short stories. Um, it did say on the trivia that. Uh, John Houston was too ill to film in Dublin and all the Irish scenes were filmed by the second unit. So I don't know if Colmini's scenes were uh, filmed by Houston himself. But Irish Stephen Bear's obsession with uh, John Houston is is weird for that to come out. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was that was kind of interesting um well that's all i have for this week there were there's not a whole lot of notes not a whole lot stuck out to me other than we were uh you know on the precipice of a nightmare scenario and we might be again so i hope all of you out there are staying safe and uh yeah and are uh, okay you should check us out on our Patreon, where we have a lot of other audio content. We have our Dune miniseries that we um, recorded years ago. We did. We, you could check that out if you're a patron. Uh, I highly recommend that, because we unpack Dune. We unpack the book, I think, over a couple episodes, but we unpack the book. We discuss in a few episodes, in one episode, the David Lynch adaptation in another episode, we talk about the 2000 sci-fi uh, miniseries at length, too. So, we took a long, hard look at Dune. And uh, it's I think all three of us are still pretty proud of, of that miniseries that you could check out on our Patreon. So, with that movie on the horizon, I would encourage all of you to check that out if you have the chance. So, uh, just type in Kickers of Elves in the Patreon, I think it's www.com, patreon.com backslash kickers of elves, maybe. Yeah, Google it, you'll find it. You you know how to use Google. If you're listening to this, anyway. Thanks again for listening. Uh, one to be out. We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter. These dumb motherfuckers on this podcast don't know shit about how stars die. Some can prematurely die, turning into brown dwarves that do die off like an ember shown in this episode. You have red dwarves, that die early but not as early as brown dwarves. Oh my god this is fucking boring. I basically want to just talk about how the woman in this episode had nothing, absolutely nothing interesting about her except her ears looking like some crazy ass vaginas. Do I talk about vaginas too much?